Field and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Live from Silver Sevens out here in Las Vegas, Willie Ramirez, Jonathan Von Tobel with you here. Got a good hour on the way. Got a lot to talk about. Hopefully we connect uh, Steve Cofield out there in uh, Indiana, right? That's the spot. I'm, I'm never good with my locations, but I think it's out there in South Bend, Indiana. And uh, we're going to talk a little, of course, college football gambling with Brad Powers, but it's 4 o'clock, so let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. Keep hearing about these... Uh, Redeem Team documentary. It's on my list. Good? It is. It's really good. I I enjoyed it. Um, Not sure. I'm not sure what I expected it to do for me. Um, The one thing it it did do was sort of. it, It set me back a little bit and reminded me of a time where I put my career on hiatus. Um, cause it was when I was raising my son. Okay. So, so I didn't, there was a, there was a point in time until he got his driver's license. Like I wasn't getting credentialed. I would, I would do these random freelance gigs. I would go cover boxing matches. Like now, if there's something big, like when USA team USA came from 2012 to the, to present, I'm out there. Mm-hmm. Right. So this was before. So, so I'm seeing Mendenhall, right. And they, where they come to Vegas and the meetings they had with coach K so on and so forth. And I'm like, man, I kind of went wish I was around for this, you know, this this little era that I missed. That's all. But for the most part, it was it was good. It, it ended up turning into a little bit of a Kobe tribute. But I saw your answer to my contribution to this. And you said, Kobe Angle is why you're dragging your feet. If you want to talk about you want to talk about the team, not about how. Incredible. So it wasn't about how incredible Kobe was. When I say the tribute, here's here's what it was. It was it talks about how. They started building the team piece by piece. LeBron, Dwayne Wade, they came in as the youngsters to the original, to the vets. Yeah. And then, and nothing went right. But they also, LeBron and Dwayne, they talk about how their frustration of not ever being able to have a chance to prove themselves that they could have been a, a, you know, a contribution. And then the last piece to the puzzle with Kobe. The tribute wasn't about Kobe, the, 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 the player. It was more so about his presence and in, in that, that, I hate to say it, but that Mamba mentality, you know, and there's the story that's gone viral, part of the trailer in where right, the Carmel- Pagasol thing, right? No, not that part. That that's a great one. But mm. that that the where Carmelo they finally got a chance to unwind and they were all gonna go out to to to, to one of the clubs here in Vegas. Mm. And they're coming in at they're coming back into the hotel at five. Yeah. And Kobe's going down to the dinner, like, where are you going? And he's like, To the gym. And slowly after that night. The next day it was LeBron, Kobe, and Dwayne. The next day it was four or five. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the week or whatever it was, the whole team is up at 5 a.m. and they're going to the gym. All because of Kobe. Well, it, 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 it can be motivating. I want a real documentary. All right. You're a hater. And I am. Sure. Uh, I'm a Clippers guy. Also, new mystery, Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Come on. Won't watch it. Get my 50-year-old old lady on. Watch some Unsolved Mysteries. Did you watch Cobra Kai? <laughs> Number three. Number three. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what the movie's referencing. I got no nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing for you. I do have something here. I'm going to call an audible. I know you're upset. Not a fit check, but a fitness check. 
You've been making humble braggy subtle references all day long. What's going on with you, buddy? It's you working not out? humble bragging. <laughs> Wait a minute. Time out. When you were on your little thing and I was supportive of you or you're sending me text messages, I wasn't, and you were you were like, hey, oh, guess what? I'm yeah, down, down, down. It wasn't humble. That bragging. was between you and me. Those are proud moments. Yeah. Not on the air to our audience. <laughs> Big deal. But he knows I own a gym. <laughs> Come on. You're not going to be so mad. I let myself just, go. Just let myself slide. I went down and talked to Jordan. He said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to reconstruct this, this, this. And. So yeah, I've been on it. Yeah, I, 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 the BYU Notre Dame game. I went to. I showed up with the food scale. Oh boy, the yeah. the food that they served. I yeah. weighed. You weighed it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, well, I guess you can weigh it because of you know the general count of you know protein things like that, the food items. I'm talking about like mixed items when they would make it. You know. Oh yeah, no, that's tough. That's tough to weigh out. Yeah. My fitness journey. Can I tell you? Yeah. How to so go? so uh, did the whole plateau thing. And then this is my – so my apartment has this wonderful gym, right? It's great. Like, it's a full setup, free weight section. Well, because you've machines. got, like, the high rise. Right, yeah, everything, yeah. yeah. I look over Las Vegas. You're a term And opulence is what I live in. Um, so they remodel it, right? They're like, you're going to be close. Give us, like, three or four days. You know, remodel it, put the new floors in, put new equipment in. I'm like, all right, cool. Take three or four days, whatever. You know, do some stuff, some different stuff. Three and a half weeks later, they're like, yeah, sorry. They just opened it up last week. So – I'm back. I'm back. I'm just let me just I'm looking through my text messages. I don't see anything that says Willie, I hit a snag. Can I use the perfect gym? But hey, what I'm allowed you? to do that? JVT, you have carte blanche with me, my oh, friend. Oh boy. I'm gonna have to buy into this now. I'm gonna have to get some the, more out here, of here. Here's here's the thing that, that screws you. You're gonna have to work out with me. I'm down. I like direction and criticism. I'm, I'm, I never it, criticize. You never criticize. Well, criticism any, cannot be can be positive. It can be positive. No, criticism. Cri- th- there's a difference. Criticizing. You know, first of all, you never ridicule or criticize anybody the second that they step foot or they show up in the parking lot. The hardest part is showing up to the gym. That's right. The only thing that I'm going to do is just correct your form, and right. I have crap form at times too. Jordan has to correct me. Tomorrow I got to weigh in. So Wait. actually, I have a really good idea for this. Okay. So this was like a kind of a, I, you know, we'll have to expand on this a little bit later because I had a really good idea when it came to like a media deal, mm-hmm. and actually having media members go through like a UNLV football workout regimen oh. and like recording it mm-hmm. and laughing at out of shape media members really trying to keep up with like a D1 athlete's workout regimen for like a week. I thought it'd be hilarious. If I'm not mistaken, I can't remember who it was, but I, I want to say it might have been Jeff Horton back in the day. There was one of the football coaches. I think it was Jeff Horton, but there was a media member that was talking heck of smack, major big time about the program, major, major. And it was more about preparation. Mm. So I said, well, come on out. And they put the pads on, signed a waiver, put the pads on. No hitting, just all conditioning oh, and, and yeah. the drills. You wouldn't be able to last. The kid didn't. It was. I think it was back when the when the newspaper was called the Rebel Yell. Okay. That's I think. Right. I think. I think Arroyo should do that. Number two. Number two. All right, we're going through changes here at Lotus Broadcasting. A lot of changes. One of the big changes coming up on Sunday. Mm. It's my old stomping grounds. Yeah. The Westgate Football Preview Show. Something that I will say. Isn't, back it, isn't, in, it, isn't it still so, somewhat? Didn't I hear right? Something about it's still your stopping. Goal. Maybe. So something's coming up. Uh, something in the works. I would say, I think, Jared, you could speak to this. Was it 2018 or 19 where I had it every single day of that football season where you would play wonderful? Was it Bare Naked Ladies? BNL, yes. Yeah, Bare Naked nice. Ladies for me every Sunday. I love Bare Naked uh, Ladies. Some would argue Emmy winning well, a, type of 
I don't know if that's actually an award that you get for radio shows. It is not. Okay. Um, whatever award you get for a radio show, that's what we would have gotten had we had applied. You got big shoes to fill, my friend. You're taking over on Sundays, huh? A little nervous. Should be. A little nervous. I'm a, here's the main reason why I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm nervous not going to be supportive. You I'm should. nervous because I, I'm solo. That's like, who do I talk to? It just seems weird to me when you do it alone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like Tyler and Jared were really good when they had uh, technically correct because they had one another. But Tyler could, you know, he just rolled off analytics and talk. Like, I I can't think of anybody else who really did solo on the air that off the top of my head. Coldfield sometimes when he's had to do it. I mean, I can't imagine doing three hours, let alone one, but. Like, just to do the show by myself. So it's like, you know, I had to call the big guns in just to stop by on his way to another show, just just to ease the nerd a little bit. Yeah, so I'll be there this Sunday to help you out for a little bit. Uh, yeah. But I'll say this. So I, I sent you my words of encouragement. That was great. That was that, that was that was the part that made me text you and go, this is fantastic. I love it. Suck it up, buddy. Yeah, suck it up, buttercup, is you, what you said. You want to know why? No. You were given the show for a reason. Let's go. All right. See? That's encouraging, right? I'm wow. telling you to suck it up because I know you could do it. I don't feel like uh, – And you get to get back to your betting roots, right? Talk a little betting on football. Oh, I used to go to the Las Vegas Hilton as a runner. You see? There you go. Yeah. It's a comfort area. I might tell – should I tell this – should I should I bring up who I told you off the air who called me? That would be a great call. That would be a great conversation for betters. They love hearing that name. Yeah, especially the older guys. They'd really like it. Yeah. You just say the name. The story could be like he was <laughs> eating chocolate pudding, yeah, and they'd like, be like, yeah, that's, that's great. It's like a magnet. Yeah. Yeah. Number one. Number one. All right, let's test it out then. You tell me. Cardinals, laying it tonight? I am. Why? I, I, I got myself ready for you. So I it, – it just – it makes sense. I don't think that the Cardinals could have asked for a better opponent. The Saints are a mistake-happy team. They rank 31st with 13 turnovers. Dead last, seven fumbles lost. They're 25th in getting picked six times. The other side of the equation, the Saints defense, they don't generate much in ranking 23rd in grabbing turnovers, 28th in the league with just one interception. On both sides of the ball, the Saints, they're their own worst enemy. Um, New Orleans opponents, number one in opponents' starting field position. These are tiny little things, but they're those intangibles that sort of, the analytics that sort of make a difference. The Saints average starting point on the field, 25.7 yard line. That ranks 30th in the league. Um, Saints rank 18, 34.7% of their offensive drives end in an offensive score. Their offense also ranks 30th, 16.7% of their offensive drives ending in a turnover. So, I mean, that alone is going against the Saints, but the Cardinals have played the Chiefs, JVT, the Raiders, the Rams, the Panthers, the Eagles, and the Seahawks. So I'd venture to say games against Kansas City, the Rams, and the Eagles, they speak for themselves. The Raiders, they're better than their record, as we just spoke with uh, Patrick Creighton, he, you know, him. They, he said the Raiders are better. We, we both know that they're better than one and four. They've just sort of defeated themselves. The Seahawks, a division rival. The game in Carolina, a ten point win, and I think that they've shown flashes of offensive prowess. They've just needed one team to really display what they can do, and I think that everything that works against New Orleans, it's a, it's a tailor made setup game for Arizona and Kyler Murray to have his best game of the season. Does the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is a bad coach bother you at all? Not in this situation because everybody's going to have one shining moment, even a bad coach. And I don't like his decisions. I don't think I don't think that he belongs under the headset. I just 
think that this team has to come together. Just like I don't agree with I put a lot of the blame on the Las Vegas Raiders record on Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. At some point, you got to go out and play the game. You got to just, you know, you have to. I mean, this this is a game where this dude, like if he messes this game up, in my opinion, okay, dude, you got to question he could be a casualty. But I just think that it sets up perfectly on the road, the Saints on the road, in Arizona, prime time, national TV. It's a, I mean, it's two and a half. I don't know. You you got a, you got the uh, you got the bead on on what the, the the wise guys are doing or where the lines are moving. The live, I'm looking. It's been two and a half all day. Um, yeah, open two, open two. Got to two and a half. It's like two and a half shaded to yeah. you know altered juice depending on where you look. Uh, I'll say this: so we get DeAndre Hopkins back tonight too. Uh, this is from John Ewing, who uh, worked for BetMGM. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Scored a first touchdown, seven to one. DeAndre Hopkins score anytime touchdown, plus one twenty-five. Two of the three most popular bets over there. Who do you like tonight? You know, I've actually kind of been fond of New Orleans. If they were healthy, I would probably maybe hope to get a better in-game number as opposed to betting it pre-flop because two and a half does nothing for you. Um, and I don't think there's a really big difference in the quarterback position at this point, depending on who's playing. It's just all about health. You know, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston. Not similar quarterbacks in terms of play, but uh, in terms of what they're worth, they're exa- identical. Okay. I kind of like New Orleans, but it was only if they were going to be healthy, and they're not. Okay, so you like so I'm not in. And your bonus play, if the line was still available, you said it's clear to, was the Clippers. My bonus play is Georgia Tech, but now that's out of range because yep. now it's a three and a half. But I also like Carolina in the NHL. I like the Hurricanes. Big Four F Four presented by Battleboard Injury Lawyers in Reno and Las Vegas. Seven six six fourteen hundred. Call from anywhere in Nevada. Seven six six fourteen hundred. When we come back, take a little cut. Uh, what's going on with UNLV football? They're on the road taking on Notre Dame. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Jonathan Von Tobel, Willie Ramirez. You'll notice neither one of us has the last name Cofield. Cofield, out. You're going to be traveling to South Bend. Take on Notre Dame. You get a little bit on that, too. The angle that I'm not really buying into that much, and that's where I wanted to start. Because Willie and I, I feel like, are on opposite ends of this. You tend to gravitate more toward, like, the narrative side of things. I think maybe that's a writer in you. You're also a little bit older, so you kind of buy into stuff like this. I did not, and this isn't to call out any of our local media members here in Las Vegas, but, like, one of these big themes for UNLV this weekend was a lot of, like, the majesty of traveling to Notre Dame to play the Fighting Irish in that venue. I don't really get it. Am I barking up the wrong tree? Am I am I just a crappy ageist millennial who doesn't understand the no, ramifications no. of this historic no, trip? No, no, you're right. From a team standpoint, from a player standpoint, from a team that started off four and one, um, and is now four and three and has scored seven points in each of its last two games, there should be no allure of going to South Bend and playing in that stadium. It should be about football. Because here's the thing, if the players get caught up in that, it's going to lose its focus. Mm. Now, the program and its followers and whoever's going out there, may even if some of the media members, whatever, like a couple of people will be like, Willie, you should go, you should go. It's like, why? Right. You know, I mean... Go to Indiana. No, nobody's paying me. Nobody's paying my flight. Nobody's like, yeah, but it's, it's you know, and all, this is, all due respect to UNLV. 
right? And, 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 and a team that I've been watching since it was called the Silver Bowl in the 70s. If I was going to fly out to South Bend to watch a game in that stadium, it would be when USC goes out there to win. That was the very first college football pro team, like, outside. Like, when you saw, talked earlier about, you know, maturing and getting a team. Like, I used to cheer for the USC Trojans all the time. So I would fly out there when USC visits for their annual game and cheer for them to win in no, at South Bend. I'm not going to fly out there for UNLV. So, anyway, I get it. I'm with you. I agree. This team should not be getting caught up. There should not be an allure of going out there. They should be focused on this is a football game being played on a 100-yard field and ignore everything else that's around them. So what do you make of the situation? A lot of people have deemed it, There, I say a lot of people, you know, the active folks who follow the program on social media. I've seen scheduled loss appear quite a few times, despite the fact that Notre Dame has lost multiple games this year as a 16.5-point favorite or more. Lost those games outright, right? Lost to Stanford, a team that I believe did not have an FBS win before they beat Notre Dame. It's not a perfect Notre Dame team. Now, I think the argument is if they're at full health, and playing more like the team that, as you mentioned, started 4-1, and one, you probably come into this a little bit more confident, not off back-to-back whoopings on the hands of San Jose State and Air Force. There was a point in time in this season where um, part of the company made a mention that if things kept going the way that they were going, that being UNLV was on a run, mm-hmm. um, the way that they destroyed North Texas, which I, weeks, maybe two months before, Season start. Well, no, I said that that was the most pivotal game of the entire season was the North Texas game. Regardless of the record, they were either going to be obviously 2-0, 1-1, or 0-2. But I called that North Texas game the most pivotal game because of the games it was coming out of and the game that was in front of them. But after that game, I believe it was after that game, it might have been the Utah State game, in which Adam Hill said, you know what, if they keep playing like this and Notre Dame keeps playing the way that it is, it wouldn't shock me if this game's close to a pick now, he facetiously said UNLV would be favored just to get under people's skin. But the point was, you know, that that's the, the, that's the direction both teams were going. As it is, you know, Notre Dame comes out here and sort of puts a whooping on, if you will. I mean, it finished 28-20, but it really handled BYU. So you're looking at it, and any local fans are to watch it going, man, we saw that Notre Dame team. But it really has not performed. I mean, it put sure, it put up 45 points against North Carolina, but how good is the Tar Heels defense? It also allowed 32 points. It almost lost to California, and it opened the season 0-2. So, including a loss to Marshall. Now it just lost to Stanford. So I don't, I don't know what to make of the matchup. I think that you're going to, you know, if, if UNLV was 100% healthy, I think you could get a competitive game out of it. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it comes out of that stadium with a win, regardless if they're 100% healthy and play a perfect football game. It oh, would be tough. They're the underdog. I just I find this game fascinating for everything that you have mentioned and also just the dynamic of the season overall for them. Mm. I mean, when you look at where you were and then consecutive losses the way that they happened, and you can point to injuries, sure. One injury. I, I mean, one. I mean there's, a, there's quite a few that are dealing with. They're, no, they but had, it's one. It's one. It's one. I mean, if you look at the complexion of these losses, seven points on each – I mean, it starts and ends with Doug Brumfield. The other ones make a difference, yes, but they, they have gotten no offensive efficiency without this guy right. in the lineup. Well, and what I'm saying, though, is the, the point that I'm building to overall is, like, how as a team and how as a staff you would handle going from 4-1 four and one to 4-4 four and four, given everything that your team has gone through injury-wise, and, but the lopsided nature of those, and then coming out of the other side, the toughest part of your schedule, 
and then having to deal with some of the opponents you have to deal with down the stretch. I mean, bowl eligibility is still quite available for them, especially with games, you know, I down the stretch the winter bowl I against Hawaii. I think the schedule is favorable. Right. I, even, even the game in San, San Diego, Diego State. State. Right. Those all are against all, Fresno. Those are some interesting games. I'm just more fascinated about this from, from this game and yeah. onward, what the dynamic is like of keeping a team together that was, like, insanely high, like wildly high. Well, the one thing that I've been saying since July was that I was impressed with last year, those close losses that everybody talked about, those one-score games that they had to win this year, you know, if they were going to get in those battles, um, was that I not only saw that this team didn't necessarily give up in all those games and they played with pride, but I kind of felt like they also played for a Royal, which I think in, in years past you didn't see that. And I'm not trying to knock Tony Sanchez or – Bobby Houck or coaches prior to that, but what you what you sort of saw was it's the beginning of a tenure in which they never got the here we go again or this is UNLV football sort of attitude. They played with a lot of heart, and it was by buying into his philosophy. So I think that four on one start they're still going to cling to. I think that they're you know they're not going to make excuses for a forty to seven loss in San Jose and a forty two to seven thumping at home to Air Force. But they also know what they were capable of if they were one hundred percent healthy. You know we we talked about it Monday, uh, Cofield and I. If if Brumfield uh, is healthy, do you or or if he's clear to play, do you play him or do you wait? I say wait. Because, as you mentioned, is it a scheduled loss? I don't know conceivably if that's, if that's how you go into looking at it. You go in and you say, hey, you know, this is a program that went to Michigan and, char- and challenged the Wolverines in Ann Arbor. They lost, but, you know, they played some big-time programs under Sanchez and now Arroyo. But you save your guy until he and when he's 100% healthy for the close, those final four critical games. This is a team. I said this was a seven-win team. Seven-win team. I still think it could be a seven-win team. It's possible. It's things that they – because I think those Air Force and San Jose State games were perfectly winnable as well if they were going to be – and here's the thing. They would have had to win them, I think, in higher scoring affairs because I think those defense – those defensive efforts were somewhat legitimate in that, you know, do they get blown out as bad if they feel like they're in those games? Probably not. Turnovers didn't help. They self, you know, they shot themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I obviously the San Jose one – was going to be difficult because that's when you lose Brumfield, so it, it affects them in-game. Right. How you prepare for Air Force knowing you're not going to have him, and then you come out with turnovers, uh, you know, especially off the Air Force scores, first drive, then they fall. You know, it's, that's a difficult. That's difficult. They're, they're self-inflicted wounds. I get it. Um, they have to turn it around. You know, you look at what this team has done third de- on defense. You know, it's, it's been ugly the last two games. Their third down conversion still ranks 28th in the nation in holding teams at 32.6% of a conversion rate on third down. Uh, red zone defense, it's in the upper half of the 131 FPS teams. 53rd, tied for 53rd, 81.2%. So you have to cling to what's working, and you have to put, you have to, you know, you have to prepare a perfect game when you're going to go to Notre Dame. And not because it's Notre Dame, and but it's, it's, it's the allure of playing in that stadium. You it's don't want to get caught up in it. It's more it, talent. Than you. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big time program. They obviously like I've been on the field for both games, Notre Dame BYU, and then several UNLV home games. And like, it's like going and covering. And I and I I I I don't dare name a high school in Las Vegas, but let's just say I'll say my alma mater. So I'm just using it as an example. I go to Clark, and I watch those teams warm up. Right, Chargers. But, yeah. And then I go to Gorman, go to Fertitta Field, and watch them warm up for an out-of-state team. You, there's a difference. 
Mm-hmm. There's a difference in size. It's going to be the same thing. There, there are certain guys on UNLV that, that have that stature, but then you see the, the guys on – you look and you go, man, these guys are big. These are big boys. The other dynamic is just the quarterback dynamic behind Doug Brumfield. There's been a lot of clamoring for why can't Bailey get on the field for UNLV. And I think I would say that you should probably trust the staff in their evaluation of what they see at these, team, these quarterbacks, right, in practice. I mean, I know what I've seen, Willie, when I've gone to the practice the times that I have. And I would say that from what I've seen, just a, I think it's not surprising that the quarterback um, – the quarterback carousel is falling the way it has behind Doug Brumfield. But you were, I think you were there on Saturday, right? Um, I left the third okay. quarter, end of the third. Arroyo was very frank in his disappointment with Cam yeah. and, and how that's going to manifest itself in this game against Notre Dame is going to be pretty fascinating. I will say this. The, the, the people that are saying, Harrison Bailey came from the SEC school. How, he there's should a reason be able- why he transferred. Yeah, there you go. I mean, <laughs> if, it, exactly. If he was an SEC quarterback, he would still be in the SEC. I mean, and that's not to disparage him or anything like that. That's just that there's pretty clear in an evaluation that there's something that's not there. Right. Whether it's he's being a, like a little bit took slower on keep taking into the offense, whatever it is, right. we have seen. But both quarterbacks are pretty flawed. And I think at this point, given that you know what Cam Friel is, maybe there's an argument to be made that you can kind of give him a shot in a game that really seems like you're up against it. Why but we'll not? see if that's going to be the case for UNLV football. It is fascinating dynamic around that team, though, man, as we move forward. It is Nevada's Sport Talk Hour, Cofield and Company, ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. When we come back, uh, Willie has uh, gone to the dark side with me. Talking a little bit more about gambling and getting into it a little bit more. Come on, buddy. It's a great thing within reason. That's next. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. John Montobo, Willie Ramirez filling in for Steve Cofield here today. Here being Silver 7s, those of you out here in Las Vegas, come on down. We've got lots of prizes for you. And, of course, plenty of specials here at Silver 7s. During all NFL games, 22-ounce Bud Light drafts, two hot dogs, two bags of chips. You bring a homie down, a lady and or man friend, $7.77 and 77-cent Bud Bottles. I was going to say Bud and Bottles at the same time combined. Uh, 77-cent Bottles, Bud, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra. There's a live concert going on, too. Really? Yeah, I just went to um, took a restroom break on our last big break. There's a young man sitting on the bathroom sink counter, okay, rapping to himself. I don't know if he just dropped some bars and put them into his phone, but he he was going off. You know, you might be making fun of him. I'm not making fun. But of him. But one day he's going to tell that story when he's accepting a Grammy. Is that I'm it? Being yeah? straightforward, honest, he was flowing. Yeah. He had a nice flow. Okay. I, I Is that why you were late? You were hanging out there listening, I huh? I, I got a little. I did a little bit of the old school Reebok. I got a little dance going. Old school is my forte. Yeah, I was going to say that is your forte. That is the dynamic. Uh, we're a little distance apart in terms of the things that we enjoy. Um, but well, you're a young guy. We're starting to get you a little bit more into the. Uh, I guess you said you said Cofield and I. Well, I ruined threw, you. I've been I've been giving Cofield smack because for the last year. Last football season, and then then now it's he's like, so who do you got? Who do you like? Who'd you bet? Who do you got tonight? You notice Who'd how you Cofield bet? never really uh, – what I love about Cofield, since he's not here, we can say it. I'll say it to his face because um, I've asked him before. It's always, what do you What do you got? What do you got, Willie? What do you got? Yeah. Huh? Oh, oh, you were wrong. Okay. No, 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 Steve. What do you got, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Never what Steve's got. It's interesting how that works. 
and then he, but then he looks at his phone. And, well, I was about to, and I was about to, but he's a big in-game guy. I don't know if he actually pulls the trigger. But the, here's the here's the bottom line: is so my neighbor, my guy, great guy by the way, okay, Andy. He uh, he's a better, major better. Like he like he he's got he's got all the apps. I think he's got probably every app that you can think of. You would know more who has apps, right? He's got them all. Because mm-hmm. he'll come back like 10 minutes later with all the lines. So I was giving him picks because he knows that I do some writing and then we do stuff on here or whatever. So he's like, who do you, you know? So I'll give him some picks from time to time. And so one day he goes, do you want anything on it? And there was one that I really liked. I mean, I just, I said, this is a good play. So I, I said, yeah, go ahead. Throw, throw me down. And then now it's just. Okay, what are the lines? And then he comes back, and this this book has this, this book has this, this book has this minus twelve, this one okay. minus oh eight. So now I'm all in, and I'm keeping. I feel like I I feel like it's back in the day where where the guys that had sheets before offshore became really big offshore, and everybody you had a sheet. Everybody had a sheet on you. The guys had a sheet. Well, I'll give you a sheet. And you logged in. You can log in with the codes. That was back when Pinnacle. I tell Steve this all the time. Remember Pinnacle? I've, I mean, it still exists. Oh, does I it? Remember it? Well, yeah. okay. Well, Pinnacle back then, though, that, those are the only ones that did. Those, that was the only book that did the in game. And I would sit at my mom's. I would bring Jordan over. He was a little guy. Bring over for Monday night football dinner, and I with a with a pad and paper on Monday nights, and I would I would chart everything in game. And I'd have like ten. I kid you not. This is not an exaggeration. Like ten, twelve grand in action, but. Like have like two, three hundred at risk mm-hmm. because you're going back and forth, and you then you try to hit some middles, and you come out five, six hundred ahead. Mm-hmm. But I haven't done anything major, crazy betting on a regular basis in years. Like the only time I pull money out to bet is Super Bowl, and I haven't lost in I don't know three, four years. I come out ahead. So now <laughs> between you and Cofield, I've become a degenerate gambler. I don't think degenerate. I think degenerate's a term that is a little overused because degenerate has negative connotations. But well, I'm a degenerate in general. But whatever. Look, with the expansion of sports gambling and media, uh, they are married now to one another. That's the other thing. So it's uh, acceptable. It's well, it's not even acceptable. You got to know about it. It's becoming more and more unacceptable that some of these talking heads don't know what an upset is anymore. <laughs> right? Oh, Things like that. Great. Point. That. That's might have scared game. me very much. That's a great. <laughs> That's all right, Jared. All right, we got plenty left to get to. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about gambling. Brad Powers, professional handicapper, bradpowersports.com. He's going to join us when we come back. We'll take a look at the landscape of college football. It's not the best slate of college football, but we got some big ones, specifically in the Big 12. Texas, Kansas State, a lot of these programs in action this weekend. Company's eye on sports betting with Brad Powers. It's Cofield and Company in the Battleborn Sports Hour. You heard it. Brad Powers, nice enough to give us some time today. Brad, it's uh, always good to talk to you. Uh, I'm going to ask you this. I saw you tweet this out about an hour ago. Um, uh-huh. Oh, well, it's. I know you were kind of being facetious with this, but uh, you tweeted out the picture of uh, ESPN's Daily Wager and the three overs in games with 20 miles an hour, or 20 mile an hour wins. Um, I do think it's a learning, like a, a topic to talk about from a learning perspective for those who don't bet totals a bunch. Uh, how important wind is as opposed to other elements that people overvalue, like precipitation at times. Yeah, so I, I would have respected the opinion if he if he mentioned the wind and said, "Hey, look, the market's overreacted. There's right. some wind in the forecast. The market's overbet it, like they have done in the past. We saw it actually a few weeks ago with the hurricane. 
that, uh, in fact, you could have set up for several middles. So if he would have said that, I would have said, you know what, I wouldn't even have tweeted anything. I would have actually respected it. Uh, but he didn't mention win. And my guess is he saw some numbers that looked really, really good, probably too good to be true. And I'm here to tell you uh, that they're all about five or six points lower than what they should be. And the reason being is, uh, you know, outside of the hurricane week a few weeks ago, this is going to be at least in the center of the country, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, in the Midwest, probably the windiest Saturday that we've seen. And anything over 15 miles per hour starts grabbing my attention. But there's probably a half dozen games where we're looking at maybe 20-plus mile-an-hour wins. So, yeah, that's going to bring down your totals at minimum three-plus points, if not six points. But Baylor, they scored 40 in that game with West Virginia. Kansas defense sucks. No, I get it. I understand uh, <laughs> when it comes to that. So, all right, let's take a look at the board uh, and what we've got going on from a big game perspective. We'll get some of the small ones. I'm going to ask you, uh, Clemson, Syracuse, how legitimate is Syracuse? How much have you upgraded them through this run? Because, I, Brad, I keep looking at their schedule, and I, ke- I can't really point to a win that I'm like, you know what? I think that win is worth upgrading this team. This team is legitimate. And, but here we are. Clemson is underneath that key 14. Yeah, I mean, I've upgraded them, believe it or not, six points since the start of the season. Uh, and I've bet over their season win total. So uh, I, I'm pretty high on Syracuse. And get this, Clemson's unbeaten. I've downgraded Clemson since the start of the season. But with that being said, my numbers this week say Clemson's the play. Uh, I'm at 14.5-15 here. So I know it's a low total. I know it seems expensive. My power running say they don't. I actually, I, I laid the 13 on the open. Anything under 14 is worth the bet, in my opinion, on the Tigers. So I, I've made this observation, and you obviously you follow markets much closely than I do uh, in college football, so you tell me if I'm wrong or not. It, it does seem like you can downgrade Clemson, right? Like it's a situation where both can be true. Like they're not as good as we expected them potentially at the beginning of the year, but has the market reached a point, Brad, where maybe it's gotten a little too far because like only three and a half against Florida State, I, I, bet, I bet Clemson yeah. in that spot. You know what I mean? Like these numbers seem to be a shade short than what we've actually seen from Clemson the last few weeks. Like it almost hasn't accounted for – there's been some improvement from DJU. I think you're well on top of it because, I mean, I have bet Clemson, uh, you know, the last three, four weeks. Yep. Uh, starting with NC State, I thought that line was short, especially when the weather wasn't going to be a factor in that game. I thought that was a couple points short. So you're right. I mean, look, my expectation was, hey, Clemson might not be Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama this year, but at least coming this season, I thought they'd be the fourth best team. They're not that. I mean, that's a Michigan or a Tennessee but, I mean, you, you still, you're right. DJ is improved. The offense is better. Now, are they Trevor Lawrence and all right. those great wide receivers that they had a few weeks, years ago? No, but they're certainly better than last year. And last I checked, with all the struggles that they had last year, they still won 10 games. And right now they're going to be favored, uh, unless something catastrophic happens, they're going to be favored in all 12 regular season games this year. All right, so, Brad, I'm going to take you uh, to a non-conference game. I like an underdog here, a home underdog, BYU Liberty. I know Liberty has not played the level of competition that BYU has, and it's, it, it could be somewhat if you look at the strength of schedule. But they went to BYU, lost by seven a couple of years ago, I think in 2019. Um, they're playing well. They have a good defense. They play confidently with Jonathan Bennett as the quarterback. I think, that the, I think BYU is laying too many points to travel across the country and play against a hungry Liberty team. I could buy that. Uh... If you told me Charlie Brewer is going to have, you know, play, which, I, I mean, I think there's a chance that he could. However, with that being said, I bet the opposite side this week. I think the strength of schedule disparity is about as big as you get uh, this, this time of year uh, between 
two relatively close teams as far as the power rating goes. So I think BYU is taking a massive step down in class. Now, ideally, you know, it's not the best spot. They're banged up. Their quarterback's not 100%, so I get it. But I can tell you this, I did lay, you know, five earlier this week. All right, let's go to the Pac-12. Uh, it is actually it's an earlier game. I was surprised by this. I would be uh, seeing on the schedule. I thought it'd be a primetime one. UCLA, Oregon. Uh, I think we saw a look at it like four and a half. This has been six and a half. Seven. There's a seven out there, but six is a predominant number here. Brad, did you have anything between UCLA and Oregon? Total is seventy-one. On Sunday on the open, I bet over sixty-nine and a half. I couldn't get there on the side. I mean, if you had to ask me right now, I think the leading indicator says that this line might touch seven. Uh, it already has. A, you know, Circa is one, one of the sharper books. The fact that it's hanging seven there uh, says to me that we're seeing some Oregon money to show up. I get that. I mean, my pure power rating since seven. I've been a little anti-UCLA that I'm not going back to the well after getting beat up. i fade them the last two games. So I think it would be a fun game, up and down game. Both offenses, both quarterbacks playing the best uh, of their entire five, six, seven, eight-year careers. Uh, whatever it may be with the COVID year there. So over for me in that one, just a lean. Speaking of Brad Powers, Brad, has Kansas come down to earth? They go to Baylor. They've lost two in a row. Baylor's laying nine, nine and a half. I think there's a 10 out there. Yeah, I think so. Although I'm not racing to, to bet Baylor, even though my power rank is trying to say it. Although it looks like Blake Shapin's going to play. He's got KO'd out of the game against West Virginia last uh, week. So I think an extra couple of days helps them. You know, Kansas final, depending on what line you got, you might even have pushed last week against Oklahoma. But, I mean, the box score said much, a much different story. I mean, they gave up 700 yards. So, I think they're kind of getting out, you know, running out of gas, especially on defense. So, for me, Baylor. Brad, you know, you talked about some of these games are going to be affected by the weather and its effect on the total. Does the weather impact your like your view on a big underdog like a Kansas that might be involved in some of these games? Like catching 10 points in a game of 58 is not that much, but if there's weather and it might impact that, does that make an underdog more viable? It does. I don't know if it's that game that's right. catching my eye. Maybe it should, but it's the other Kansas school where it catches my eye, Kansas State against TCU, where there's going to be some win there. We've seen the total come down about five points. And to me, it's going to much, you know, the thing with Kansas and Baylor will probably impact both teams. Both teams like to throw it. Kansas State-TCU, they're two opposites. I mean, obviously, TCU throws a lot more than Kansas State. And then I just look from an energy aspect, Kansas State off of by TCU playing a fifth straight big game. So Kansas State is a team. Weather, I think, helps them. Uh, and a 54 total says it's going to play more to their style than TCU up and down the field. So Kansas State plus three and a half for me. Sneak a little on the – sprinkle a little on the money line. All right, let's stay in the conference, uh, Texas-Oklahoma State. Uh, the market moved in favor of uh, Texas last week. Didn't get it uh, done from a cover standpoint, but they do win against Iowa State. What do you make of Quinn Ewers and the Longhorns laying six on the road, total of 60-and-a-half? Well, I mean, there's probably a little bit of Texas love in the movement this week just mm-hmm. because they're underrated because Ewers missed a little bit there. But I think it's more due to the fact that Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma State quarterback, banged up. I mean, he's got a shoulder issue. Gundy did not confirm that he's going to play. I think he will, but is he going to be 100%? Because the rumor was he took a shot before last week's game against TCU. We saw him play well early. Then I'm guessing the shot wore off a little bit, and he paid it kind of down the stretch. And then this is another game. Wynn's going to play a factor. Total's down like eight points already. So uh, I, I'm not to the window yet. Uh, if he told me Sanders would play and he could be just 80%, it looks a little pricey on the Texas side. Were you behind the move in Mississippi and LSU? Ole Miss opened up as about a two-point favorite. LSU is now a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Total is 67-and-a-half. 
I am obviously crossing through zero is not a huge move, although you don't see a lot of huge moves, at least on the sides this time of year, once you get to mid-October. But, yeah, I thought wrong team favorite situation there. It's, you know, LSU's been inconsistent when they're on. I mean, two and a half to me is cheap. But, I mean, we also have games like Tennessee and Auburn back-to-back weeks not too long ago for LSU. So, to me, it's more of a fade against Ole Miss and the lack of quality competition. Best team they played was Kentucky. That's a game they could have lost outright. So this is their toughest game of the season. So, you know, a general question, because on Sundays I, I hosted the VEASAN show for the college football line, so we just look at the market and when that opens and where these numbers move. I, I'm amazed every single week, Brad, especially as we're getting deeper into the season, how much these totals move. Am I wrong at being surprised by that? Like, I would feel that, yes, they would move, but I'm surprised the market's not tighter at this point of the year. Uh, totals, I'm not too surprised. Okay. They move super quick. I mean, I this is just pure speculation on my part because I'm, I'm getting 50 bets in in, yeah. in about 10 minutes. Uh, I think there's some bots because, I mean, I'm telling you, I can't get the stuff within seconds of release that, that, that I circle and, and want to take advantage of, and I'm not there, and it's already moved three, four, five points. So, I mean, give circuit credit. They're taking some good limits. They're moving, though, on action, mm-hmm. and they're assuming every single bet's sharp, and they're, they're not afraid. Like, say, for example, I put a limit bet in. They're going to move it a point and a half. All right, let's go to uh, Mississippi State, Alabama. What is the uh, spot like for the Crimson Tide? 21-point favor, total 60-and-a-half. So I, I'm here to tell you you're paying a premium, obviously, if the, uh, Alabama off a loss going to rebound. Because, I mean, oh, I'm looking at, like, so many different power ratings, including, including my own, and an average of, like, 40 different computer power ratings. And the line should probably be four points shorter than what it is. With that being said, last seven times, Nick Saban's been off a straight-up loss. He's obviously won seven straight. He's covered seven straight by 13 points per game. So I'm telling you during that stretch you were paying premiums if you wanted to back Alabama off a loss. And he's still covering by two touchdowns per game. And this is the right opponent for him because the last two years, Leach for saving total mismatch. Combined score, Alabama 90, Mississippi State 9. Wow. <laughs> and I'm, I'm assuming you're not laying threes in that. Yeah, that's a, it's a pretty big deal when it comes to that. All right, let's go to a couple of smaller ones. First off, UNLV banged up, injured on the road. But this is Notre Dame team that we've seen multiple times now. Um, they have laid an egg against some opponents they should not. I don't think that's the case here, but is the number a little too high for Notre Dame as a 27-point favorite? Yeah, I, I bet a really bad in the line of hell. I bet 24 on the open on UNLV. So, I, I mean, you want to talk about negative expectation bet. That's a big one there. Although, I mean – I just I know Notre Dame does not have a pass game. They don't have, nope. in my opinion, they have really probably bottom ten level as far as power five teams at quarterback and wide receiver. I mean, if you don't have a throw game in twenty twenty two, it's tough to get margins. So well, let's wait. I'm gonna probably rebet UNLV at twenty eight. Ah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Quarterback position has been a mess for them, but it has been a pretty interesting to see if they can respond here. James Madison, what do we do with them coming off of their loss against Georgia Southern? Uh, market had started to respect them, and now here 12, 11 and a half, uh, depending on where you look against Marshall. Yeah, that's a team that's, you know, getting starting to get priced out even with a non-cover. Although, you know, the box score was better than the final, though. They probably yep. should be in Georgia Southern. I'm not there on the side what I did bet earlier in the week. I mean, just because Marshall's offense has been so pathetic, but they do have a respectable defense. I, I did take a position earlier in the week on under 54.5, still lean that way. And last one, this is Mount, Mount West game. I was talking with my colleague Matt Humans about this the other day. New Mexico catching 10.5 against <laughs> Fresno State. Uh, you laugh. What, what's behind the chuckle? Well, I mean, it, it, it can be a tough game to handicap. I mean, if we can get New Mexico not to throw, you know, pick sixes in the final yep. seconds, they've done that twice this year. Uh, 
I think they're the right side. I did bet them plus 13. I mean, the Mountain West, I, I chuckled more of the Mountain West than anything. I mean, these teams are so inconsistent. It's tough getting a handle on anybody. I mean, just when you left Fresno State for dead, they go and beat the team that was, some thought was maybe the best team in the Mountain right. West last week outright. So, lean 10 and a half, but hardly any of these Mountain West games am I taking significant positions, with the exception of Boise State Air Force. A week ago, San Jose State was the best team in the conference, and then seven days later, their coaches are punching glass windows and breaking them because they were losing to Fresno State. Brad, it's good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much. Hey, take care, guys. Thanks for having me. Brad Power 7, bradpowersports.com. All right, that does it. Uh, you've been listening to the Battleborn Sports Hour at ESPN Arena for all three hours. For all you out there in northern Nevada, the archives, you can find them daily at lvsportsnetwork.com. Cofield will be back tomorrow out there in South Bend. Until then, enjoy the rest of your evening. It's a big day of sports, so have some fun.